KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power, welcoming the renowned Jack Quartet to San Diego for an evening of music titled Modern Medieval with works by Caroline Shaw, Morton Feldman, and more. Monday, May 6th at The Loft at UC San Diego, artpower.ucsd.edu. Two candidates, but only one campaigning in San Diego's District 9. But it's tough to campaign against somebody who's still on the ballot but is not actively there. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. We'll track the changing significance of counting community outbreaks in San Diego. It hit me hard because I was like, oh, you know, you you really hope it doesn't happen. Installation art, a film festival, and drive-in jazz, coming up on our weekend preview. Stay with us for Midday Edition. That's coming up next. KPBS On Demand is supported by Sally Ride Science, presenting Women in Leadership, featuring panelists Ina Garten, Michelle Hanabusa, and Margot Lee Shetterly, sharing their stories and discussing ways women can lead a better future. May 23rd on campus. Tickets at sallyridescience.edu. San Diego City Council District 9 stretches from the neighborhoods of Kensington and the college area in the north to Mount Hope and South Crest to the south, with City Heights sitting in the central heart of the district. Council President Georgette Gomez represents the district now, but she's running for Congress. So Kelvin Barrios and Sean Elo Rivera ended up vying for the seat after the March primary, But now, only one of them is left on the campaign trail. Joining me with more on the District 9 race is KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler. And Max, welcome. Good to be here. First, tell us what happened to the campaign of Kelvin Barrios. Originally, the problems with his campaign stemmed from uh, spending that was known that basically he had done as treasurer, a volunteer treasurer for the San Diego County Young Democrats, where several thousand dollars were misspent, possibly on personal items. He ended up settling with um, a campaign finance board and, and admitting that he had misused some of that funding. That got dredged back up during the general election between him and Sean Elo Rivera, especially when Barrios went out of his way to say that he wasn't under criminal investigation for that matter. Something the district attorney never likes is when you go out of your way and say that an investigation is closed or not under investigation. So they took the extraordinary step of saying, actually, he's still under investigation and that case hasn't closed. So we had a cloud hanging over him from that. Then there were disclosures that he did not make on his necessary financial disclosure forms for running for this position, including the fact that He held two jobs at the same time, and one of those jobs was for the city council and for a union uh, that he then eventually went to work for. And then on top of that, that he just didn't declare an entire year of salary that he had received from the labor union he currently works for, previously had interacted with while he was a city council uh, staffer. So he has suspended his campaigning. Was Kelvin Barrios the leading candidate in this race? 
Yes, he absolutely was the leader in this race. He had the most money. He had the endorsements of several high-profile Democrats in the race, including City Council President Georgette Gomez, who he used to work for. Um, it, it was a divided field in the March primary, but if you had to look at it, Barrios was definitely leading. Now, you spoke with the candidate who remains on the campaign trail in District 9. What is the background of Sean Ila Rivera? So Sean Ilo Rivera is a right now the executive director of a youth-focused nonprofit called YouthWill, which works with young people and kind of advocates on their behalf and tries to get resources for young people in San Diego. At the same time, he's sitting on the San Diego Community College board. He won that race uh, two years ago. He comes from a law background. He has a law degree. But as he told me, he, he went and started doing um, advocacy work and civil legal litigation in City Heights uh, around a decade ago and saw that many of the issues could only be solved really at a political level. And that's what drove him into politics. And what does he see as the big issues in District 9? Housing and homelessness, obviously this is true throughout the city, but especially in District 9, you have an affordability crisis, you have rising home prices and rents. As a lawyer, he, he sees the need for civil legal advocacy, including for small businesses dealing with the pandemic and trying to cut through red tape and get the help they need and stay open. So that's a huge issue. He also sees transit as a big issue, making sure that this area, which is quite sprawling, is better served by public transit. All of these tie into the pandemic in some way because these impacts that we're seeing in the pandemic are disparate and, and usually impact people from immigrant communities and low-income communities the hardest. Now, creating opportunity, especially for young people, is something he talked with you about. Yeah, so obviously he comes from this youth advocacy background, given his current uh, position. And so he's interested in making sure that young people in San Diego are looked after. And that's something that he hasn't seen from city council. So this is something that he proposed doing as he was talking with me. Would really like to see the city invest in jobs programs for young people, whether that means a conservation corps, an environmental corps that has helping keeping our, our neighborhoods clean. Uh, good chances for young people to, to build their resumes, to gain experience, and at the same time give back to their community. Now, since Ilo Rivera is the only candidate on the campaign trail, how is this unusual campaign taking place? Obviously, no debates. Right. So Ilo Rivera has been the only candidate on the campaign trail for some time because even before Barrios officially suspended his campaign, he wasn't doing really any debates or any public appearances. Um, so Ilo Rivera is trying to reach out and go talk to as many community members as possible. Sometimes this is uncomfortable being the only candidate who's actually out there. So he takes the brunt of kind of people's frustrations and people um, who might disagree with his, his positions. But it's tough to campaign against somebody who's still on the ballot, but is not actively there. So Barrios, as you say, is still on the ballot. If he should win, is he facing any kind of legal problem related to the scandal that forced him to drop out of this race? I think it's really unlikely that any legal repercussions will follow Barrios. I think really where he angered the district attorney in that matter was saying that the case was closed. They really don't like that. Um, I think basically if he should win, he will make the argument that, listen, I was very clear with all of the problems I had in running my race, and yet the district still felt I was the better option, so I deserve to represent them. So right now, it's a guy who is running for the seat, who should he win will take the seat, and a guy who's not running for the seat, and if he does win, he'll take the seat. Okay, I've been speaking with KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler. Max, thanks. Thank you. 
A community outbreak of COVID-19 is defined as three cases or more among people who live in different households. San Diego County tallies its outbreaks to monitor coronavirus spread. But in our ongoing series about the county's COVID data, KPBS health reporter Taryn Mento says the significance of counting outbreaks has waned. The University Christian Church bells are a familiar sound in San Diego's Hillcrest neighborhood. But there used to be another melody ringing from the sanctuary. The San Diego Gay Men's Chorus rehearsed in the space for its upcoming Broadway concert series. But the group went quiet in March. Executive Director Jeff Heine says they canceled rehearsals as a precaution. There was an unknown quantity to this this virus. The show was delayed until next year. But we wanted to be safe. The last rehearsal was 10 days before Governor Gavin Newsom ordered all Californians to stay home. Goes into force and effect this evening. But COVID was already in the door. Four chorus members would later test positive and become one of the region's first community outbreaks. It hit me hard because I was like, oh, you know, you, you really hope it doesn't happen. There have been hundreds of outbreaks in San Diego County since then, and officials track those clusters to measure how much COVID is spreading. Outbreaks are one of 13 triggers the county uses to determine public health restrictions. But a KPBS review of the triggers found it's a complicated and evolving system. For example, there should be no more than six community outbreaks in a week. But we've exceeded that number for months. The San Diego Unified School District initially said classrooms wouldn't reopen until we met that goal. But both county and school officials are reevaluating this metric. For the gay men's chorus, news of COVID illnesses circulated just days after practice was canceled. A singer would post something on Facebook saying that they were home sick. Heine eventually contacted the health department. He said he was told the info helped them link the cases together. They have tested positive. We have their names already. You're just helping us to connect the dots. County health officials connect a lot of these dots. At one point, staff confirmed 40 community outbreaks in a week. There are fewer now, but still more than the threshold. And the county's Dr. Wilma Wooten is giving the metric a second look. To determine going forward if that number should change or remain the same. That was a month ago. County doctors wouldn't give an interview for this story. But a spokeswoman says they're still reviewing the threshold. In the meantime, parents have pushed San Diego Unified for a clear reopening plan. It's not acceptable. But other parents are pushing to reopen only when experts say it's safe. UC San Diego's Dr. Howard Terras is advising the district on when that is. He says he acknowledged early on plans could change. The school board just okayed sending a small percentage of students back to limited in-person learning next week. It doesn't worry me to open schools more than we are now in the San Diego Unified School District um, if only community outbreaks especially the type of community outbreaks that we're seeing, um, is still not quite yet up to par. Meanwhile, all four San Diego Gay Men's Chorus members have recovered, including one who was hospitalized. Heine says he's not sure where or how COVID was transmitted, but he thinks at least one singer contracted it from his job in the medical field. Not necessarily with the chorus at all, so he was hospitalized. A county spokeswoman said linking an outbreak to an organization or a location doesn't mean that's where transmission occurred. But the chorus rehearsal space is still empty. God, I miss it. I really miss it. The chorus did briefly reconnect in June at Balboa Park. They recorded a socially distanced video to them singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Over the rainbow, rainbow. 
passersby recognize them. Heine says after canceling two seasons of concerts and profits, the experience lifted the chorus's spirits. I think for the people who gathered too, I mean, it, it kind of gets you wondering, well, what would stop us from just going out into the park and just singing Christmas carols in December? Their return to Broadway show is scheduled for April, but it's unclear what the data will allow then. Right now, live theater is not part of any phase of the governor's reopening plan. Taryn Mento, KPBS News. KPBS will continue to report stories on the region's 13 triggers as part of its ongoing series. You can look at all 13 data points using the KPBS Trigger Tracker at kpbs.org. KPBS On Demand is supported by Sally Ride Science, presenting Women in Leadership, featuring panelists Ina Garten, Michelle Hanabusa, and Margot Lee Shetterly, sharing their stories and discussing ways women can lead a better future. May 23rd on campus. Tickets at sallyridescience.edu. This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh. Shipboard chamber music, drive-in jazz, and local films that take on life in quarantine. We have quite a wide range of arts and culture topics on this weekend preview. Joining me is KPBS arts editor and producer, Julia Dixon-Evans. And Julia, welcome. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for having me. Now, we're in the thick of film festival season, it seems. And San Diego International Film Festival has paired with San Diego Film Week to include local works. So what can we expect? Yeah, so there's a lot of great movies in the festival both virtual and some drive-in options, but I wanted to focus on the local stuff for now. There's a new documentary that one San Diego couple started when they were diagnosed with COVID, and it's one of the first films like that. And um, in addition, San Diego Film Week will screen their best films of the year. And if you remember early on in the pandemic, San Diego Film Week launched their quarantine film challenge. They got submissions from all over, and they've selected a bunch of these, all made during and about quarantine from all kinds of genres. And they'll have an award ceremony on Sunday night, but the films are available to stream right now. And they, the festival's grouped all of the locally relevant stuff as locals theater, and you can get a special festival pass just for that. The San Diego Film Week and San Diego International Film Festival Quarantine Film Awards will be streamed live on Sunday at 6.30 p.m. And all films are streaming online now through Sunday. The Houseman Quartet returns with a streamed version of their chamber music performances. What will we find in this weekend's program that's called Inhale, Exhale? Yeah, so Houseman has done one other virtual version of these quarterly Haydn Voyages series from aboard the Berkeley ship, which is a historic ship. It's part of the Maritime Museum. And every time they pair Haydn and other classical composers with more contemporary works. So this Sunday's performance is all on the theme of songs that kind of breathe or they move from one extreme to the other. There's a Haydn quartet, a Beethoven work, but then this 2009 piece called Frayed by American composer Hannah Lash. Let's have a listen to the Hasman Quartet on that inhaling, exhaling part. Thank you. 
That was Frayed by composer Hannah Lash. The Houseman Quartet streams their performance from aboard the Berkeley on Sunday at 4 p.m. In the visual art world, artist Jean Lowe has a new site-specific work at Quint One. What is this installation, Julia, and how do we see it? Well, Jean Lowe recently installed this piece at Quint One. It's called POW, which stands for Portraits of Women. It's site-specific, so when I say installed, I mean a lot of it's painted directly on the walls at the gallery. So when it closes, it really closes. The installation's commentary on the way women are portrayed in abstract expressionism and modernism. So she took three works by Picasso, de Kooning, and Jackson Pollock and did her own spin on them. And I love what she told me about how women perceive this too, that it might be liberating to be seen as, this is a quote, a fierce, crazy hag, a sturdy, powerful woman. Uh, there's also a painted rug from her series and these, these cloth mache plants and pots, they're all sculptural and some absurdist paper mache books. It's kind of her signature. It all looks so lifelike from afar that when you approach your perception kind of dissolves. It's really worth making an appointment for a visit. Jean Lowe's POW installation is now on view at Quint One in La Jolla by appointment through November 10th. And we have some drive-in jazz this weekend, which, you know, is a sentence that would have sounded quite strange nine months ago. <laughs> but tell me a little about Charles McPherson and his mainly Mozart performance on Sunday. Yeah, so mainly Mozart's drive-in performances at the Del Mar Fairground from the summer, they've really shaken things up regionally for the performing arts. It inspired the San Diego Opera to dip their toes in the drive-in world, too. It was so successful, they're bringing back some all-stars. I'm excited for a little Sunday night jazz with legendary Charles McPherson. He's a saxophonist. He's in his 80s and just put out a new album a few weeks ago. And he's the composer in residence at the San Diego Ballet, which you got to say is kind of a cool job. And he has a really incredible resume. He's collaborated with Charles Mingus, Wynton Marsalis, and more. And he was also a recent San Diego Creative Catalyst grant recipient for work with choreographer Javier Velasco called Sweet Synergy Sweet. So that's Sweet Synergy Suite by Charles McPherson, and he'll play selections from that, plus a Gershwin melody, Harold Arlen's Get Happy, and a Strayhorn spin on Ellington's Take the A Train. Plus also he'll do a piece he composed after the 2016 election called Reflections on an Election. That uh, couldn't be more timely, could it? <laughs> Mainly Mozart's A Night with Jazz Legend Charles McPherson takes place Sunday at 7 p.m., at the Del Mar Fairgrounds lot. For more arts events or to sign up for the weekly KPBS Arts Newsletter, go to kpbs.org slash arts. And I've been speaking with KPBS Arts Editor, Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thank you. Thanks, Maureen. Have a good weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by Sally Ride Science, presenting Women in Leadership, 
featuring panelists Ina Garten, Michelle Hanabusa, and Margot Lee Shetterly, sharing their stories and discussing ways women can lead a better future. May 23rd on campus. Tickets at sallyridescience.edu.